you'd remain standing, our scripture reading comes from Matthew chapter 7, verses 13 through 20. Jesus said this, Enter through the narrow gate, for wide is the gate, and broad is the road that leads to destruction, and many enter through it. But small is the gate, and narrow the road that leads to life, and only a few find it. Watch out for false prophets. They come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ferocious wolves. By their fruit you will recognize them. Do people pick grapes from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? Likewise, every good tree bears good fruit, but a bad tree bears bad fruit. A good tree cannot bear bad fruit, and a bad tree cannot bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Thus, by their fruit, you will recognize them. This is the word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. If I can invite you to be seated, please. So good to be with your, here with you all this morning. Uh, I want to take a moment to thank everyone who contributed Halloween candy for last Sunday's Halloween celebration for our Sunday school students. Uh, if you didn't peek down the hall, you saw a lot of fun cost, costumes and a lot of energy. Uh, but it was a lot of fun as we played games in the gym, had snacks, trick-or-treated down the halls of the church. And it was just a great day, so thank you for everyone who made that possible. I also want to take just a moment again to thank uh, Jennifer Williams and our SPRC for the Pastor's Appreciation Breakfast. Uh, we're so fortunate to be able to say that we've been here for eight years, and we certainly plan on being here a lot more uh, in the Texaco Clovis community, and uh, so I'm just looking forward to that. And so this morning we're going to be continuing our journey through the Sermon on the Mount together. Uh, in the sermon, as we've seen over the last, what, eight weeks, uh, Jesus is giving us a picture of what it means for us to follow him. And so what he does is he talks about how we are to live and how we are to practice our faith. He talks about what it means for us to live within the community of faith in relationship with each other. He lifts up prayer. He tells us how we can speak to God. And he shows us the way that we are able to be identified by our faith in the ways that we live. The past two weeks, Jesus took a little turn. What Jesus did over the last couple of weeks that we've been looking at is he was comparing the actions or the way of living of his followers with those that others were looking to. And so he specifically compared the followers of him to the Pharisees. And then last week he compared how his followers lived differently from the Gentiles that were around them. And he gave these comparisons to help us to see and to help them to see what it means and how it would look for them to live righteously as opposed to living in accordance with the culture and those that were around them. So in this morning's scripture, we have to think that Jesus has gone from them this path to then comparing and contrasting how he believes and how he knows his followers should live until today where he narrows his focus. So today what he does is he narrows his focus from telling us as a larger community how we're to live and practice our faith together to where he is narrowing his focus down to where it is a choice that you and I have to make for ourselves. It's an individual thing that we have to do, that we have to decide. And so in this morning's scripture, there are two examples of that. The first Jesus talks about is a path or a gate where he says, you have to choose whether or not you will follow me. 
Then his second example, which makes sense really if you think about it, is he follows this decision of deciding whether you will take the narrow path or gate or the broad path or the, broad, or the wide gate, and then he follows it immediately with a warning against listening to those who are going to lead you astray, false teachers. So let's begin this morning by Matthew seven thirteen and 14. Where Jesus says, enter by the narrow gate, for the gate is wide and the way is easy that leads to destruction. And those who enter by it are many, for the gate is narrow and the way is hard that leads to life, and those who find it are few. So these are some hard verses for us to read. They're hard because Jesus is unswerving in his presentation and is laying out that you and I have to make a choice. It's a choice on who and how we are going to follow him. It's a choice on what faith we are going to profess. It's a choice on what sacrifices that we are willing to make in order to grow in our faith, in order to grow closer to him, in order to grow closer to God, and in order for us to ultimately achieve the victory to this promise to us by Jesus and to all of those who choose to follow him. There's a temptation for us to read Jesus' words here. And for us to say that maybe they're outdated, or maybe it's not necessarily applicable for Christianity today. There's a temptation for us to say that it is not unique to our situation or our context, but we all know that these temptations are not, they're the exact same ones that the early Christian church faced when Jesus uttered these words for the very first time. See friends, the world is no different today than the world was when Jesus was there. Now, obviously, they had, didn't have cars, and they traveled by foot most of the time, and other things, of course, are different. But I'm saying when we talk about spiritual decisions, about soul decisions, about eternity decisions, it's the same decision. And it's the very choice that every Christian, every follower of Jesus has to make for himself or herself. We have to choose to follow him. And so when Jesus writes and said, well, Jesus didn't write it. When Matthew writes that Jesus said the narrow gate is harder to follow. I think it's easy for us to immediately read these words and to start thinking about the things that we have to leave behind as opposed to thinking about the things that we are going to gain. It's easy for us to focus on the things, the practices, the relationships, maybe the addictions that we know that we are going to be required to set aside and we know that we are going to be required to leave them if we really choose to go through that narrow gate, to go down that narrow path, and if we really choose to make following Jesus a priority in our life. I think it's easy for us to read these words and also to to think that we want to avoid them, to avoid the choice because we know what sacrifices Jesus requires of us. We know that following him for real is going to require us to make a sacrifice, whether it's giving something up or changing a behavior or reprioritizing or choosing to live differently. In short, what we do is we know that it's going to require us to change. I think there's another reason we avoid this verse or we avoid this choice is because we genuinely care for and we love other people. And so when we read this word, it pains us a little bit when we think about Jesus saying, you have to choose to follow me if you want the eternal reward. 
And I don't know about you, I don't know any Christian who does not feel um, remorse in their heart or doesn't feel conflict in their heart when we read these words and we think, well, what about those people who, have never, who, who don't make this choice? It's because we love other people. And we love them deeply and we want them to have the relationship with God that we know God wants to have with them. But we also believe as Wesleyan Christians, is that God has extended us the opportunity for this relationship. God has extended to us the gift of His grace, but God doesn't impart that upon us without our, cho- our decision. You know, if God did that for us, then we'd just be little spiritual robots if we didn't have the choice for ourselves to accept Him into our lives, if we didn't have the choice for ourselves to ask God to help us to change, if we didn't make the choice for ourselves to go through this gate that Jesus is talking about. And because we love other people, we choose then to live in a different way. So maybe what we do is we water down our faith, we aren't as, as bold as we know we need to be. Maybe we aren't as dedicated as we know in our hearts God wants us to be. See, because when Jesus is telling his disciples, and he's telling this to us, when he's saying that the road is broad and the gate is wide, he is acknowledging the temptation that you and I have to make the faith about us about our preferences, about our desires, about our self-love, about the other things that come naturally to us as sinful people. The broad road is the road that does not require you to change. It doesn't require you to make sacrifices. It doesn't require you to work. It doesn't require you to study. It doesn't require you to conduct self-examination. The broad road is the road where we find ourselves engaging in other worship or other things where we're just spiritual rather than being Christian. Friends, the broad road allows us to customize the faith for ourselves, where we pick out what we like and we discard what we don't. And the broad road is where we find ourselves hearing people say there are many ways to heaven, where Jesus is saying there's one way. The Gospel of John chapter 14, verse 6 Jesus, you know, he says, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. I mean, every one of the Gospels, Jesus gives us this choice. Jesus gives us this statement where he says, those who choose to follow me will be with me in eternity. Those who choose to follow me will receive the forgiveness and the grace that God has offered us to them. He was definite about this. I don't don't read it to where he's saying it's not a definite thing. Because there's nothing neutral when it, becomes, when it comes to us following Jesus Christ. That's just the decision that he gives us. In Acts chapter 4, verse 12, Luke writes a little more about it. And this is in uh, the book of Acts where it says, There is salvation in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given to people by which we must be saved. Right, we have to remember the first century church is facing the exact same thing that we're hearing is that there are different ways to get to heaven. And what the earliest church, that's one of the things that they did, is is they had to define, they had to carve out what it meant to be a follower of Jesus from those people who had walked with Jesus, who had listened to Jesus, who had uh, shared communion with Jesus, who had eaten meals with Him. 
What Jesus tells us is the road that is narrow gives us life. It requires sacrifice and it means living the life that is revealed to us in Scripture. To enter the narrow gate is to search for the life that God wants for you. In another part of the Bible, Jesus said that uh, the gate can be narrow as the, as the eye of a needle. And to enter that gate is, is difficult because we must leave our baggage behind. But friends, that's what we need our Christian community. Is that when we're walking the narrow road that has less people, we need others to encourage us. To push us on, to help us move forward, to show us the way as we set aside our old way and as we choose to follow Christ in an even greater way. And Jesus is clear. He says he's the way that leads to life and that leads to heaven. And then I think it makes sense that Jesus shifts gears and immediately goes into a discussion about uh, listening to people. Because it's easy for us to get distracted, isn't it? I don't know about you, but often when I sit down to pray, if I'm not focused on praying, I start thinking about other things. Like that I need to mow the grass, or whatever other project that's uh, in front of us, or whatever other life situation that's happening in our family, or whatever else is going on. It's easy for us to be distracted. And I think that's the same thing that what Jesus was talking about when he talked about the narrow gate and the narrow path and being on the path that leads to life. And then he talks about false teachers, and then he talks about we have to pay attention to the fruit that those we are listening to produce. Because he tells us to watch others, to examine their lives, and to ensure that that their life shows proof of their teaching. And it's not just Matthew chapter uh, 7 where Jesus says this. In the New Testament, there are multiple scriptures where Jesus warns his, his followers against false teachers. You can go and read half of the letters in the New Testament of, of Paul and of Peter and of James and of Jude where the things that the New Testament church is wrestling with are people that are coming behind whatever apostle has been there And they're saying, they must have told you this, they told you this. Well, let me tell you what they really meant. As we've seen on Wednesday nights, as we've looked at the absolute basics of the faith, we know that the early church had to work hard to to make a definition of what we believe. In deciding and declaring who Jesus Christ is and was, in deciding what the death of Jesus meant, in deciding what the resurrection of Jesus means, in deciding that we have to guard ourselves against false teachers, and in deciding what it means and what Jesus meant when we received the gift of communion and when we received the sacrifice that he made on our behalf. Because that's the gift that we've been given is that the Holy Scriptures give us the path that lead us to Jesus. Our community gives us the encouragement, the word, the accountability to grow closer to God and Jesus Christ. And God himself gives us the grace that's given to us not because of anything that I can do or anything that you can do, But it's given to us because God earnestly desires for you and I to live in community together. 
as people who hold each other accountable, as people who push each other on, as people who, who strive together to live out this faith. The faith that's given us to God, by God through Jesus, through the disciples, through Paul, through Peter, through James, through John, through all of the others. Because it's the faith that we profess. It's the faith that we receive. And it's the faith that we receive, or that we have been given through Jesus Christ, His Son. So friends, this morning as we uh, close our worship service and as we celebrate the gift of communion, I remind you that this is the gift of God. It's offered to us by His grace and by His love. It's offered to us through the sacrifice of Jesus. As we remember where Jesus gathered His disciples and told them that this was His body broken for them, and that the cup that they were to drink was the blood of Jesus Himself that would be shed for them. Friends, we share this meal knowing that it's not a table that's just for members of this church. We share this meal knowing that you don't have to be a member of the United Methodist Church, but this is a meal that's given to all of us because God loves us and Jesus loves us and He's given His very best for us and to us. So would you bow with me in prayer? Gracious God, we come to you today and we give you thanks for these gifts for this bread, for this juice, and for your presence in this place. God, as we gather here together, we pray that you would pour out your Holy Spirit on us gathered here and on these gifts. Make them be for us the body and the blood of your Son, Jesus Christ, so that as we receive these gifts, our hearts would be transformed and our lives would be changed according to your will. Amen. So we break the bread, remembering Jesus' words to his disciples as he said, take, eat. We raise the cup, remembering Jesus as he shared it with each of the disciples, telling them, drink from this all of you. This is my blood poured out for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins.